Hello and welcome to the Multiverse of Marketing. I am your host, Crash and Burn, and with me as always is J.R. Sweeney. Hello. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> How are you? Ah, not too bad. I mean, like, if you got, if you got to watch the world burn, at least from a moderate distance away, it's not so bad. <laughs> but at least, you know, I got to really entertain myself with some fun, silly shit. Uh, th th this has been like, usually you read one comic for this, but we got seven comics and a movie out of this one. Yeah, um, so we're talking about The Meteor Man, um, which is a 1993 Robert Townsend superhero <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, did not do well. Uh, no. <laughs> which, okay, so here's the thing. It's not, it's not great. In as much as, leaving a leaving aside certain issues, which I'll get to. We'll get to those. The the. It it is a little like it's. It's a bit corny as fuck. I mean, like he, here's the thing, and and I I think. Uh, his his intention with it. So, for those who who don't know Robert Townsend, he tends to be kind of like uh, a really really sharp wit, really kind of like black community uh, uh, like community level kind of uh, content. His stuff typically talks about that the undercurrent of like what black people have to typically go through. Hollywood Shuffle uh, is phenomenal. Oh my god, so I amazing! Love yeah. Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah. Uh, this has a phenomenal cast. An incredible cast. Let, let me just pull up the cast list for one moment, because this this is ridiculous with, like, one exception, which, again, we will get to. We, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so starring Robert Townsend, uh, you know, because if, if you're writing and directing a film, why not star in it as well? Uh, Marla Gibbs. Eddie Griffin, Robert Guillaume, James Guillaume. Earl Jones. Oh, Guillaume, I've been saying that wrong for years. Yeah, it's Guillaume. Oh, delightful. James Earl Jones with, like, this has overtaken uh, my favorite James Earl Jones performance, replacing his incredible turn in Conan the Barbarian. Mm -hmm. This this is something to be seen. Yes. Uh, another bad creation, as in... Yes, the early 90s hip hop like children's group, another bad creation. Yeah. Stephanie E. Williams, Roy Fagan, Frank Gorshin. Yep. But uh Luther Vandross, Sinbad for like two minutes, and it, it, the character is just like uh, uh, an inexplicable like cameo stereotype appearance and it's like oh okay bye Sinbad see you later well I like I like his because his his character is black dude who gets really into black liberation for the women yeah and like that's a great like joke skewing uh you know like like a, a character a stereotype within the community and like you've seen it throughout a lot of like you know black art but it, he's like he's there and then he's gone and it's like does he ever come back ah whatever it, it it's for for like you know it would have it probably would have made more sense if it wasn't Sinbad if the actor who portrayed it didn't go on to become like so recognizable that it's like no Sinbad Sinbad was just here where'd Sinbad go well, I there were there were I think one of the big issues is the whole Stacy subplot because 
He yeah. is Robert Townsend's ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. The whole Stacy thing goes nowhere. Yeah, and apparently it was going to be included and it just got cut for like timing and pacing and stuff. And it it does unfortunately rob us of more of that character, but as well, like sense to his introduction, because right. he's supposed to kind of be like a, a foil to Robert Townsend's character. Uh, and and he just vanishes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. Naughty by Nature play the Bloods. Cypress Hill plays the Crips. Big Daddy Kane, Don Cheadle, Nancy Wilson, Tommy Tiny Lister. Jennifer Lewis, Wallace Shawn, mm-hmm. John Witherspoon, and Chris Who's Tucker off-screen. And yeah, as as ever, John Witherspoon is just beautiful. I my favorite uh moments in Boondocks is when they realize that no one gives a shit about Huey or Riley, and it just became the John Witherspoon cartoon hour. Right. Uh that was Chris Tucker, though, because I missed him in the cast list, but I heard his voice and I'm like, that's fucking Chris Tucker. Yeah, so. yeah, that is Chris Tucker. Uh, I believe he is un, uh, uncredited. Yeah, he's uncredited and he doesn't appear, but right. it you cannot miss that voice. Right. Like, that's fucking Chris Tucker. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, some people in this movie are in this movie because they haven't yet made it big. Some people are in this movie because they did make it big and they're like recognizable you know, uh, stars. It's it's a stacked cast. Oh, my God. It's insane. And he he made this film essentially by the power of I feel like it. And no one told me no. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I managed. So there's practically nothing out there in terms of like movie trivia about this like it, it it's very difficult to find any good details about the production or anything until you stop looking in movie world and you move over into like black culture media and on shondaland.com i found a wonderful interview from uh, i want to say five years ago where he talked about this movie finally and uh, we, we, we get an idea of how this insane film, which is, I believe, just just a, it, it's there's like, all right, uh, uh, characters, story, plot, original idea. All that is separate uh, and, and original to to uh, uh, Townsend and all of his work. This is effectively, in many regards, Richard Donner's Superman. And I don't mean that as in it's copying it. I mean that as in the goofiness, the 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 approach, the 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 silly childishness. It all makes sense if you consider this to be essentially like the black community's Richard Donner's Superman. Mm-hmm. Anyway, because that so he uh, from from what from what he said in the interview, he was inspired to make this movie for one really basic reason uh he was visiting uh one of his nephews his nephew was like four or five or something uh and uh it was around halloween and he asked what are you gonna dress up as are you gonna dress up as spider-man uh batman superman and his nephew said no because they're all white and and you know uh, he of course went uh like hell uh so he immediately uh uh started working on an idea of like, okay, the first black superhero movie, like obviously there have been black superheroes on TV and, uh, and like in the super friends, uh, in the form of black lightning. And there had been black superheroes in comic books, but there had not been a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he himself created from scratch, not only the first black superhero meteor man whose powers are whatever they need to be which is i mean it's it's a very delightful. it's a very silver age superman wherein it's just kind of like there's not really anything he can't do he's able to pick up whatever's in a book by osmosis for 30 seconds he's able to talk to dogs he has 
heat vision, he has super speed, he has flight, invulnerability, super strength, um, super hearing, I think, uh, just telekinesis, and just, it's, it's really just, you know, whatever we, we think would be kind of cool in the moment. Yeah, it's it's such Silver Age. Excuse me. It's such Silver Age storytelling. And uh, coming was it uh, uh, four years after Batman eighty uh, nine? Definitely not what people wanted. But like, if this had come in the early eighties, uh, on the heels of Richard Donner's Superman, I think people would have understood what it was actually trying to do. Well, I yeah, I think I think so. The that is one thing I think definitely hurt it was the fact that I think people I think Superman had been recent enough that people may have understood what he was going for, but it had been long enough ago that they didn't really care what he yeah, was they, going for. That uh, is also very fair. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, it was by the time Meteor Man came along, the concept of superheroes had more firmly moved into the Watchmen, uh, Dark Knight Returns type of uh, gritty, dour, Grim, dark. I hate everything. Like, oh you know. Oh my God. Uh, because, yeah, like, I think it was... Not long after this, wasn't it that they did the crow? Uh, um, yeah. If not, if not after, then during or slightly before. Also, like this is the era of like uh, going into the shadow. Uh, a right. Bit later is is the phantom. Uh, as as well, I think around this, like like the rocketeer might be the brightest of them all, and half of that like takes place at night and is dealing with um nazis right i yeah the crow was 1994 so it would have been in production when meteor man came out and so yeah like i said um i think one thing that definitely hurt it was the fact that the the culture surrounding superheroes had moved on um yeah which is which is a pity. Um, that's that's not to say that this movie would have been perfect, uh, <laughs> even disregarding that fact, um, because you know a lot of it. A lot of it is uh, <clears throat> not great. I. <sighs> I mean, it's so I I approached it from uh well first of all to 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 be really clear I'm the one who brought this issue slash movie to uh to to the uh, the list here because I as a kid had uh a a copy of the comic book adaptation of this movie which well we we will get into so I have absolute nostalgia for this property and uh i know that i had seen the movie years and years and years ago but like had long forgotten all of it and i was just so happy and impressed with what i did see uh because like the production level for what was available was pretty damn good well they like, had industrial light and magic doing the special effects yeah, and it's um, not not only like the the special effect. It's like like little little physical touches, like into the uh, like uh, wherever he touches like a car. There's a really good press in there, and it's mm -hmm. it's you know like a handprint. It's not like someone hit it with a hammer and went there, it's done or something. No, they like they 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 put a lot of effort into like overselling so much of this, and his his outfit is ridiculous but also kind of ahead of its time but also really behind its time and you know this is what happens when someone who hasn't read comic books since they were young writes and produces a comic book movie and mm -hmm. it's it it has a bunch of cliches and it's commenting on things 
that it didn't like are 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 part of like larger discussions within comic dumb, but it didn't even know. Like it's just doing its own thing. And right. that's that seems to be how he how he does things. Like uh this film opens with a Michael Jackson song at the height of his fame. Uh and he got that apparently like free by calling Michael Jackson. And well, yeah, he of just, course. He just called Michael. How did he get this amazing cast? He called them. He, he he knew that they were great actors, and so he called them. How did he get this movie produced? He just kept calling people, and eventually Alan Ladd went, this is fantastic. Yes, uh, this will be the next Star Wars. And I presume the one thing I couldn't find any details on is how the fuck he got not only a comic book adaptation of the movie, but a six-issue continuing miniseries after it by Marvel. I have no idea, but I presume the answer is he just called him. Probably. The, 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 he this just, man's it was just balls. Like, hey, <laughs> it's Robert Townsend. Want to do a comic? <laughs> and they were just like, yeah. Okay. Um, Holy hey, shit! Robert you know, Townsend's on the phone and he wants a uh, he wants to do a comic book. What? Why would he want to do a? No, wait, no, don't ask. Give him money. Give him money. The 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 thing about it is like, I'm I'm curious. There's some stuff in this movie <laughs> that I'm curious about because yeah. it's it's stuff that I am. I am not going to touch with a 10 foot pole because I am not the person to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like the stuff where he makes peace between the gangs and the police and stuff like that. I was watching that. I was kind of like, uh, mm. that was fascinating. Um, the, <laughs> The big, the elephant in the room, though. Oh, my um, Lord. Oh, and such an elephant. It, uh. Bill Cosby is in the cast. And here, here is the thing. Um, Bill Cosby plays a man. It's never really expressly stated. Um, I believe... He is unhoused and squatting in a basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is uh, in in the comic books. It's a little more overt that he is homeless. Um, because because by and large, he's just like hanging out in an alley. Uh, when Robert Townsend is hit by the meteor and he finds a friend and he grabs a fragment of it. Um. One one moment to quickly digress away from the horror of Bill Cosby uh, into the horror of that uh, practical effect shot of the meteor going into his chest. That was pretty damn well done. Yeah. I That is not how I pictured it happening based on what happens in the comic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, yeah. It's a lot. Um, the thing is, you, you see him in the in his home. Mm hmm. Uh, where he is using his telekinesis from the meteor, Bill Cosby, that is, not Robert Townsend, uh, is using his telekinesis to make himself a cup of coffee while creeping on the woman who lives in the apartment above him, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. using his x-ray vision to look through the floor and through her clothes. Which at the time would have been Bill Cosby playing against type. Ha ha ha. He's a dirty perv. But now. Oh. Ah. <laughs> uh, so there definitely would have been people like even involved in the production of this who probably knew that. Right. And like you're sitting there watching it and being like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the thing. Because it's like at the time, most of most of us just random people would not have known about that. We would have known no. Bill Cosby from his comedy, from uh, the Cosby show, things like that. Robert Townsend and a lot of the people involved with, you know, the production of this 
may have been aware of the stuff and you know don't get don't get me wrong like if i were making a a superhero movie and i had a chance back in you know 2007 to put louis ck in my superhero movie yeah or have it directed by joss whedon or something like that i'd be like yeah yeah for sure but here again i'm not plugged into the entertainment industry and would not you know i would not have had the knowledge necessary to be like this is not going to age well this is going to be really really bad um and and my hope is he had no idea for some reason for some reason um i i i don't i don't know how that's possible uh uh God damn it, Bill Cosby. Uh, why do you gotta ruin everything? Like, his part is so small. You could cut around him. Yeah. You you can. There There is a cut of this film where there's just no Bill Cosby. And, yeah. uh, damn it. But anyway. Uh, so close. So close. So Anyways. The comic, um, it, it began with a one-shot, which was a straight adaptation of the movie and that mm. was written by dwight coy penciled by robert walker inked by john holdridge colored by gina going lettered by steve ditko and edited what, what, huh yeah it was edited by steve ditko and edited by fab or lettered by steve ditko sorry and edited by fabian nisietza um so okay then (laughs) so Uh, meteor man a steve ditko comic (laughs) what i will say about the adaptation is i do not think it's a good adaptation um large swaths of the movie (laughs) are cut um but at the same time not well uh, in as much as the whole talking to dogs thing doesn't really come up other than one scene where his dog is talking to him and the and the comic just doesn't really address it. He never talks to the dog again or anything yeah, it's, like it's that. It's more just like a, like a passing. I always assumed, you know, until I saw it, that it was like, that was just him joking, like, oh, maybe I can, what, what's next or something like that. And right. yeah, there's entire, like, there's entire sequences that, that don't occur um, in the they comic don't have, you get. They don't have the thing where his dad gets beaten up. Uh, no, like, like they, I think it happens like just barely off panel and they mention it and it's, it's gone in a moment. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> Uh, uh, his, his, the costume montage is truncated. Uh, the, the, the party for him, uh, is, is completely changed. Uh, the only person who is recognizable in this is, uh, Robert Townsend himself. Uh, for years, I assumed that James Earl Jones surely played his father. You know who I knew? James Earl Jones. Right. Who's old? James Earl Jones. So I yeah. like, I, you end up watching the movie and you're like, I have to completely rethink every single character as they were drawn. Yeah. Because I like, I get it. You didn't have the image rights to anyone else. Right. Cool. Yeah. Wah. And there's, there's a lot, none of the stuff about, uniting the gangs is in here um not only the part where he does it but then at the end once he's defeated simon kane and uh mr byers shows up in the film with his army of thugs and then the crips and bloods are just like nope (laughs) and uh chase him off none of that parts in the adaptation at all no, there not, are, none of it. 
there were huge none of the stuff with Stacy, which is weird because Stacy gets brought up in the sequel in the mm-hmm. in the mini series. Stacy dumping him again is a plot point in passing, but she's not in the the adaptation at all. Malik is not in there. The Sinbad character, none of that. Um, you know, just parts of it make sense, but then also like one of the great gags in the movie is James Earl Jones at the beginning of the movie, trying on two pays and he decides to go for something young. So the rest of the movie, he is wearing a, a toupee that gives him a high top fade and hitting on young women. And, And like that, that is absolutely one of the reasons why I never in my life assumed that that was played by James Earl Jones, because it's like, I'm sorry, excuse me what like yes that makes sense that is visually funny that is off character well done smart smart on the comic page i assumed that that character was maybe like 35 like not well and not james earl jones the initial scene where he's trying on toupees is there but then Mm. it's not in the rest of the adaptation there's nothing the running gag of him having the high top isn't isn't in it and it's just like so then why have the scene where he's trying on you've set up the joke and then cut the joke yeah yeah so and it's it's just it's one of those odd things of like you know for years, I you know like thought, oh, you know, this is this is a fun comic adaptation. It's it's fun. It's whatever. But yeah, it really does strip so much away. Uh, like, and it you know it it it, it can be difficult to uh, adapt a movie, especially like you know you're trying to make sure that all the scenes fit, every everything works as it should, like in a comic as opposed to a film. Right. Uh, and yeah, and and especially with this where they had like they clearly had gotten the rights to like certain characters but not necessarily like considered using others. So, as you said, Frank Orson's just fucking ejected. Like there's this entire global mafia specter thing that he runs. Yeah. And that just gets like thrown out. It's kind of yeah. referenced a few times, but y- you don't get the grand finale where Frank Gorshin is attempting to eat uh, half of the set uh, right. uh, with what little time he has left uh, on screen. <laughs> I mean, he goes full Frank Gorshin a few times there. Yeah. Ooh, well, very good. like, and a lot of the stuff about the Golden Lords, I like, I like the Golden Lords oh, because I love them. they have, they have the baby Lords <laughs> that are little kids uh that they've that they make dress like them mm-hmm. and like have the gold the the blonde hair um which undermines the whole point of having children in your criminal organization the point <laughs> of having kids do your nefarious shit is that the cops won't notice them. Yeah. If you ha- if you are a drug lord who's just like, I have an army of kids that I have made dress like me in a very specific and identifiable way, then the cops know to stop those children and search their lunchboxes. And Full so, of money! And so... I I love the idea of it because the uh, you know it's just Simon is such a raging uh 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 like narcissist, narcissist yeah that he's just like yes I will make all the little children look like me and I and that's great but 
like that's gone and you yeah. know and like i said you know it's i've read a lot of comic book adaptations of movies over the years i've read a lot of things like this that were a lot more successful and yes there are cuts that have to be made but in the end you are still given an overall idea of the main beats of the movie and that is not the case here um i read i read the comic first before watching the movie and I was blown away by how much I had missed by doing that. But, you know, because I was sitting there and I'm like, wow, okay, all right, that's sure. Uh, but it's then I by the numbers, yeah. But then I watched the movie and I'm like, oh, they cut a lot of shit from this. Um, too much. They cut mm -hmm. too much, not just. Not just major beats of the film, but also, like I said, a lot of the jokes that sort of mark it out as a Robert Townsend story, uh, you know, got cut. And it's just like, so then what about this is going to make me want to see the movie? What about the if if this is meant to promote the film? It doesn't. And if this is meant to uh, to bank on the film, then it's kind of going to backfire, especially with then doing the miniseries. Because if I were to see the movie and be mm. like, oh, they made a comic and go buy the comic... I'd be so disappointed that there's no way I'm going to pay them for more. So I don't really know, like when it's all said and done, I don't know that it accomplishes either possible goal. Which is, which is funny because as like, you know, as someone who read it as a kid, like like target demographic right down the barrel in terms of like, you know, Marvel Comics in the early 90s. You know, I, I was seven. Money, sure, whatever, I'll go see the movie. Uh, I, the only reason I didn't is it bombed so hard it wasn't actually in theaters when I purchased the comic. And to be clear, gentle listener, this was not purchased in a comic book store. Uh, this was purchased off a spinner rack at a uh, magazine uh, kiosk. Mm -hmm. So how long was it there? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, did I did I buy it in 1993 or 1994? I don't fucking have any clue. Was there any chance I was ever going to find the resulting miniseries at that spinner rack? Ha! You don't know how spinner racks in magazine kiosks work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't count on shit. Um, Nothing. Uh, so I personally did enjoy it, and it did hit exactly right for me. But looking back, I can see all of its many flaws as a comic, and it's like, ah, damn it, that's depressing. It, mm. it it almost ruined it. But well, so let me ask you a question. It made you want to mm -hmm. go out and see the movie, and sure, the movie was then not in theaters anymore did you ever Correct. go out and rent it did you ever like years and years later it became very difficult to find uh uh i so there, there's a, a the local movie place near me this was before the days of blockbuster had reached out here uh there was a legendary uh movie rental place called video difference and video difference would have pretty much anything like they prided themselves on having a massive collection and that includes like like every comedy art films documentaries etc 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 and for the fucking life of me they never had meteor man hmm. and it took until i think i found it in like 
yeah, it must have been like haunting uh, a bargain bin of a blockbuster or something that I finally uh, uh, found a copy of it on VHS and I I watched it a few times way back when and then I think just lost it or something. Mm-hmm. So I did see it, but like not until I was far past the age of interest into it and, and well into the snide teens of like, ew, why do I care about this? And now I'm like 36 and yeah, I fucking care about this. Well, you know, I... I remember I remember the ads in all of the comics for Meteor Man mm-hmm. for the movie itself and I remember I was unaware of the comic uh back in the day I just remember seeing the ads for the movie and being like oh it's a superhero movie I will have to see that and then I never did so mm-hmm. I don't know uh uh, so then they did a mini series, and the mini series had the same creative team, uh, though it added inkers Mickey Ritter, Tim Tsuoi, uh Keith Aiken, and Pam Eklund, and colorist Joel Rogers. Uh, the rest of the creative team was the same. This this is where things get interesting because. The end of the movie, the movie ends with him being depowered. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, oh, well, a bigger chunk of the meteor landed in Arizona. Meh. Um, is that in the movie? Shit, it's that all is, blurring it, it together. Was, it was originally cut. Uh, like it, okay. it was shot but cut uh, in, okay. in, in which they they have the, the discussion about like the sidekick name and then you see the image of the like the nerd scientist standing next to the big fucking boulder right well so in the in the adaptation of it they did uh, in the movie they did not um, mm-hmm. but but then the um the miniseries proceeds to introduce because in the first in the first issue you see guardsmen uh mm-hmm. you see guardsmen from like the super villain uh prisons in the marvel universe and you're just like huh okay and then issue 2 has fucking spider-man in it and yeah. then yeah, just Knight over Thrasher, just high spider-man there's yeah, Spider-Man. Um, yeah, and the and the thing about it is, so a lot of comics did this. The first Transformers miniseries had Spider-Man in it, uh, you know, and things like that. But generally speaking, those are treated as though it's like, yeah, that's the Marvel universe, but that's a different Marvel universe. That's a side universe that is not the six one six continuity. But if you get on the Marvel Wiki, that places this in the 616 continuity. Oh, it absolutely does. And Miles Morales has fought Golden Lords. Has he? Yep. Robert Townsend fully created what is still technically Marvel-like characters. This is a Marvel movie in a many senses and he did a pretty surprisingly good job for someone who just like out of the blue managed to create like their own superhero and like a gang with an interesting narcissistic superhero or supervillain uh uh, leader like i didn't i I, I didn't remember the the golden lords huh no like uh uh what was it oh i can't remember uh what uh issue it was uh, but yeah, no, um, the Golden Lords technically, like, I have no idea their current status, but yeah, they they are, exist in Marvel, and all of this occurred in the 616. So theoretically, uh, Mar- Me- Meteor Man is out there somewhere in the uh, Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Why not? Um, but the the 
the overall storyline of the um of the comic so early 90s marvel <laughs> it is it is you you could you could just take this plot and like throw like change the 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 names and just be like no it's an x-men comic uh now Fuck every it. everything about this is 90s marvel from mm-hmm. the um from the appearance of night thrasher uh to to just the character designs to you don't like mullets uh to the maybe unintentional homoeroticism of the uh night thrasher cover because i'm sorry you have a cover wherein Night Thrasher is on top of Meteor Man, choking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the trade dress uh, has the title Night Moves. <laughs> I'm sorry. I look, look. I I will freely admit, I get older, but I never really grow up. So I will freely admit that this is purely a me thing, but I'm sorry. Good for them. Uh, I'm happy for them. I am. And so early in the nineties, like Ellen would have never. Well, it, it really is. It's nice that, (laughs) that two black men can come together like that. Um, But anyway, the, the upshot of all of this the the overall point in this is we've had we've had his origin and he suffered but in this mini series we are dialing it up and it is really putting him through the ringer uh simon came Simon Kane comes back and is seemingly and he seemingly kills him which then sends him spiraling. Uh <laughs> that, I mean he, that'll that'll happen. <laughs> well, you know, um he he straight up seems to atomize him and he is broken up about this and mm-hmm. um yes, Simon is a sociopath. But still, he 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 has taken a life, and so he spirals until he winds up meeting Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, you know, gives him the talk. Um, and he's just like, well, gee, thanks, Spider-Man, bye. Um, and then Night Thrasher shows up, they team up to take these these guys down. Um, Simon Kane comes back, uh, and Meteor Man actually starts to reach him. Um, he starts to say, like, you know, you have all of this power, you can change the world for the better. Like, you don't have to be this way. Which and apparently is from an earlier draft by Robert Townsend of the movie uh, mm-hmm. where it ends with uh, so the, the, the whole like coming together uh, uh, message of, of the film, like with, with uh, bringing the Crips and the Bloods together and then uniting the Crips and the Bloods with the, um, the cops. Yeah. Uh, and, and like uh, the community coming together to stand up uh, on behalf of Meteor Man and like, even even earlier uh, in the film, uh, with that delightful interaction in which he gets in trouble with the principal and some parents of a student because he told the kid not to fight people. And mm-hmm. the parents are like, no, you beat the fucking shit out of anyone. And it's like, oh, God, 1993. I, I have conflicting emotions about the messages you used to send. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, it it would have ended with him 
doing the same thing, like following through in the theme and message with the Golden Lords and, and reaching out to, to Simon. And that's how it would have ended. The Golden Which would Lords have been a lot have... more thematically yeah. appropriate. It, Absolutely. It would have been wonderful. I'd have, that would have made it one of my favorite movies. Uh, because, okay. Uh, this is, this is a, this is a frustration of mine. Um, <laughs> in that in movies and television shows, uh, especially superhero media, we are at a point now where, uh, where we want compelling villains. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't want villains who are just like, I'm evil for the sake of evil. No, um, they, they have to have some motivation. You know, everyone is the hero of their own story and yada, yada, yada. And mm -hmm. so what we wind up with is villains with, with relatable goals, relatable motivations, but they kill people so you can safely ignore anything they do. Mm -hmm. Killmonger makes a lot of great points, but he kills people indiscriminately, so fuck him. The Flag Smashers make a lot of really good points, but they blow people up indiscriminately, so it's safe to ignore everything they say. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get a lot of the time. And that's that's one of the reasons that something like uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is so refreshing is mm -hmm. because not to get I'm not going to spoil anything. If you've not seen it, go fucking see it. It's amazing. Go see it. For fuck's sake, go see it. But. Um, it it does it does that it it. It treats its characters empathetically. Even the villain is treated empathetically. And in the end, there's there's catharsis for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. On yeah, not only catharsis for, for the characters you're looking at, but like multiversal catharsis. Right. A lot of different universes become better. Uh yeah, yeah. no, uh you you should you should definitely see everything everywhere all at once uh, for that reason. And of course um, the dildo fight as well. Uh <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot. Of, yeah. Um, but, but, and so to have gotten a movie that did that in, in 1993 would have mm -hmm. been amazing where, where, you know, the hero actually reaches out to the villain and they come to an understanding and the villain is given something that they were missing and stuff like like that would have been amazing uh yeah. unfortunately <laughs> they do this with Simon Kane in the comic and then he immediately dies um yeah which is which is a shame because like you can even see the the stepping stones there like what kind of a gangster keeps little children around that he protects and like makes sure are, are like they're clothed they're they're they've got tons of cash uh when when the karate guy on his team gets thrown into a bus he picks him up and goes are you okay yeah he's not like he's a he's a bad he's a bad guy but not bad guy you know like <laughs> Like he is someone that absolutely is looking for a sense of community and has created one right. around himself and his own ego and image. Oh, yes. Yeah. But like, yeah, the potential was there. And I suspect that that's like leftover potential of that ending. And we don't even kind of get it in the same sense of like, you know, like community support and, and mutual support and stuff. It's more the, the Marvel comic sense of a uh, sense of like, no, no. now that I've, I've, I've turned good. Uh, I'm inflicted by pathos. I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ah, um, oh, fuck there. There. And there are a lot of characters in this 
Uh, the villain in this mini series, uh, he's he's kind of interesting. In yeah, that... I, I I so feel like he got pulled from something else. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because he is he is southeast asian i don't know if they ever actually was it vietnamese i think it's implied heavily at that point but like i can't i can't recall a specific yeah um his name is solomon min mhm and it the implication in all of this is that Following the Vietnam War, he was left an orphan and wound up sold into sexual slavery. Um, and then he, um, he managed because he has powers. I don't think we ever get an explanation for his powers, but he has the ability to split into three versions of himself all of whom are super strong and blah blah you know the standard powers um yeah your base set but he he manages to lift himself out of that uh and become a fixer for this guy armand sky who is he supposed to be an alien I, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure at all. Uh, I see that that's where it like, it bleeds into, I like, I, I don't even consider these six issues. Like by the time I got to the end of it, I didn't consider these six issues to be part of this movie whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like it's so obviously like parts of other projects or maybe an entirely different project with just like nouns changed because yes, I'm I'm going to say yes. Uh, he's either an alien or a mutant. But, like there there there's the potential of being like oh from the race that the meteor was part of a planet of like you could have done something with that. Well, there there were a lot of there were a lot of things going on with Armand Sky that felt like they were leading to something and then they just kind of didn't. Yeah, then, um, then they realize, oh shit, no, this ends at issue six. Oh no. I I mean, I presume that they hoped that this would catch on and it would become a, a an ongoing. Right. And maybe they were just kind of like like layering in a little bit, like okay, and and if if it happens, then uh, uh, come issue nine, we're gonna find out uh, who who Armand Sky is. Ooh, ah, ah, and then issue nine never happened. But the yeah, he winds up he winds up going to prison and his company ends up having to donate a bunch of money to the neighborhood uh to avoid bad PR and and you're just kind of like, oh okay. The the thing that you know, it really does it feels like it feels much like when I was in the theater watching I Am Legend. I had never read the the novella. And mm -hmm. so hey, although although had you seen The Omega Man? I had not. Okay. Um okay. I had no I had no basis for anything prior to going into I Am Legend. And so it bugged the shit out of me that <laughs> uh that they were setting up all of this stuff about Ooh, the 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 vampires are are smarter than than they first appeared, and then the movie's just like, nah, fuck it, we just blow them up. It's fine. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, w what? And I then read about it, and I'm like, oh, that is something I wasn't imagining. That okay, that's what this feels like. That's what Armand mm. Sky and a lot of this crap feels like. He he is out here giving people power you know powers 
because we have a bunch of villains like Malefactor and Ghost Strike and uh, Super Racist Thor and uh, <laughs> and another woman. I I don't I don't remember her name, but uh, oh, yeah. they all they all get pieced out uh, over the course of things. I I guess my one thing that really bothers me is since the movie is set in a world where superheroes aren't a thing mm -hmm. setting the follow-up miniseries squarely in the marvel universe kind of makes the events of the first adaptation really fucking weird because yeah. they're just like oh my god you have superpowers and it's just like, this is the Marvel Universe. Everything gives you superpowers. Being out in the sun too long gives you superpowers. Not getting enough sun gives you superpowers. Getting just the right amount of sun gives you superpowers. Nobody should be this surprised by anything. Like, somebody should just be like, oh, are you a mutant? And it'll just be like, no, there was a meteor. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Meteor Man. All right. Yeah. Why not? Why and, not? And, 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 and to that note, if I were a mutant in the Marvel Universe, especially in the early 90s, and someone asked, are you a mutant? I'd be like, no! Meteor powers! Meteor hit me! Yeah, for sure. I, you know, <laughs> like, there, as, as things have gone through, and it's been like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, yeah, I can totally understand why people would just be like, nope, not a mutant. No mutants here. Yep. Mm. No, Don't sir. What are you talking about? No, nah, no, nah, I'm cis. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, no, it's... I don't know. It, it ain't great. It's, it's an interesting... You can see how it capsule. fails. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 Like you can see how ever like you can see how the film unfortunately failed. You can see how the uh the 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 single comic adaptation failed and you can see how the follow-up six issue miniseries failed. And it's like you know, looking at it from the perspective of how this kind of thing would occur now, it's like, "Oh my god, a multi-level campaign like marketing campaign and promotional scheme completely fell apart. That must be worth so many tens of millions of dollars." And it's like ultimately this happened because as discussed, Robert Townsend felt like it and called some people. Yeah, what some I, money was missed say... in this, but he doesn't yeah, it didn't affect him. Yeah. What I will say, I I do have I do respect Robert Townsend for making making a movie with a predominantly black cast mm -hmm. at a time when the studio's narrative would be that's not going to sell. Oh, like uh, in in his it is uh, interview with uh, Shondaland.com. He literally says that uh, one of the 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 more common responses he got from studios was, uh, black audiences and black superhero audiences. No, those things don't exist. Right, we're not giving you money. Well, and to not to not to not even because I think what ultimately surprised me was the fact that the studios did not force him to put at least one like hugely bankable white star into the movie <laughs> because like i mean there's only no no wait wait a minute there is one hugely bankable technically on paper white star in this movie i don't want to talk about Wallace Shawn <laughs> Wallace Shawn uh, inconceivable i look i got <laughs> nothing but love for wallace sean but i don't think the star of my dinner with andre was necessarily going to be the draw that the studio was hoping for um, I, I i don't i don't think you understood what late 1993 felt like or felt about wallace sean it it, it was Seanomania, i tell you for like a good solid three weeks there. 
that this fell outside of. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I I respect, I respect committing to, uh, telling a black story with black actors, wherein the studio is not able to force you to have some kind of white savior narrative to have uh to have a George Clooney or a Bruce Willis or you know whoever um as you know like to to have a um ah oh, uh uh whoever the I I I can't believe I've completely spaced on his uh name but uh, the quote unquote main character uh of Big Trouble in Little China uh Kurt Russell yeah. No, not yeah, but his like uh his his character. Yeah. Um yeah, like so, you know, like he, 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 sure he's the main character, but no, he's he's not the main character. No. He's uh, he's the comic relief. Uh but yeah, the, not even that. And that's that's great. That's that's wow, yeah. you just you don't get to see that much. When when Wallace Shawn is the only white guy in a film. Well, and Frank Gorshin, of course. But and, and Frank Gorshin. Well, I mean, the big, big bad guy pulling all the strings behind all crime had to have been a white guy. Well, yeah, because it is a, a white guy, naturally. <laughs> but, but yeah, I I love how he shows up in a rolls and everyone else is like sports cars and beating down shit. It's just oh, there's the rolls. Well, that's Frank Gorshin. I will say I do like that they had that they have the ra- the ran. There's not just like it's it's astounding it's not just like really nice car there it is a full-blown like old school rolls it is Mm -hmm. a it is like fucking daddy warbucks rolls rolling up (laughs) to to kill meteor man and it's just like (laughs) oh my god it's it's a full-blown gangster holy shit but yeah, I mean, I I respect a lot of what Robert Townsend did here. Did it work out? Obviously not. Uh, you know, it it cost twenty million and made eight million. Uh, there was there was no chance of there being a sequel. Uh, <laughs> you know. I, and, and I'm 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 happy, frankly, that it it ate and destroyed twelve million dollars because I got I got twelve million dollars worth of happiness out of it uh, from my perspective, anyway. Well, that that's uh, over good. The, over the years. That's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, go watch Hollywood Shuffle. <laughs> go watch yeah. the five heartbeats. Uh, and, and if you're interested in seeing where this eventually led to. Go watch the episodes of Black Lightning, the CW Black Lightning that Robert Townsend appeared in and directed. Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Like there there is an impact. There is an influence on uh, uh like on-screen black superheroes uh that that Robert Townsend has been like more or less ignored. And he he deserves to to stand there as someone who helped influence all of these characters yeah. that you now just take for granted. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it, it, it is genuinely Robert Townsend deserves a bigger career than he has had the mm. last, I mean, he's doing, he's working, but I, I, and, and he's respected, but it's like, ah, oh, fuck you. You're, you're, you're a performer's performer, a director's director, which just means that the audience doesn't know who the fuck you are. But I mean, it's a fucking shame. The dude directed Eddie Murphy raw. Like, yeah, people know his work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Robert Townsend deserves way more than he has gotten is Mm. the thrust of all of this. The comic (laughs) series, not great. Robert Townsend. Not good enough. Fucking amazing. Uh, go check out his work. If you're not familiar with them, Hollywood shuffle is great. The five heartbeats. Uh, if you're white, you've probably not heard of the five heartbeats. If you're black, you probably know it. Uh, but you know, yeah, he's great. I don't know. 
he he's great and uh unfortunately none of these properties uh none of these three things actually live up to what he has otherwise done and and it's it's just a goddamn shame that audiences didn't show up for it the first time because I would have liked to see uh, this spiral off into endless sequels. And then, uh, yeah, then, of course, the grit, gritty reboot after gritty reboot, uh, you know, that would have been that would have <laughs> been amazing. Get the get Zack Snyder's Meteor Man. Oh, uh, my fucking God. Uh, if there if there is one person that could handle uh the the first mainstream black superhero it's Zack snyder i feel pain pain inside of me deep inside of me only pain pain and suffering <laughs> uh well, if you want to suffer some more with us, shit, like, share, and subscribe, uh, contact us. We have an email, yeah? Yeah, it is multiversalmarketing at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email. Uh, and For then, sure, India do. Um join us next time we will be talking about the axe body spray superhero team the freshman uh fuck because it works on multiple levels you see on the one hand they are teenagers <laughs> on the other hand they reek of axe body spray so they are literally fresh men it's it's like it has uh, uh, two intentions there. It's, uh, there's a there's a double sure. um, whatever you want to yeah. I'm there's sure someone will come up with a term are for that. Layers of meaning here. It, there's and there's at least two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna peel this motherfucker like an onion. Let me tell I, it's you. Gonna, ah, it's gonna stick to high heaven. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.